Sports Talk with the Views from the 573 Podcast. This week's show is sponsored by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. You'll hear about them a little bit later on in the pod. You can find us and our other channel entertainment from the 573 on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Podcast from the 573, where you can listen to the YouTube version of the show. Be sure, whichever platform you go to, to go subscribe, go follow us. So to keep up with all the latest action coming from us, I am one of your co-hosts, Ryan McDaniel. Joining alongside me by me today is week-long Raptors super fan Peter Lewis. Peter, how you doing? It's been great. I'm I'm slowly getting over Kawhi leaving us, but you know what? We have a championship, and uh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> oh, if you didn't, if you missed last week's show, uh, you you missed a treat right there. Oh, that 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 was a disaster. But, yeah, we had our 100 show last week. Went really well. We're on episode 101 now. We're into the hundreds now, and that's going to be weird to think about. So, let's get right on moving into this week's show. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Of course, we started our NFL preview last week with the AFC North. We're moving into the NFC this week, starting off with that conference with the NFC North. We'll be talking all about those teams. We're also starting our college football preview today, everybody. Matt's least favorite sport, but he's glad he's not here to record this. He'll be back for the Pac-12 because it's Herm Edwards, because, yeah. But today, we're starting off with the ACC, and we'll continue this on until college football season rolls along until, I think, late August. The season's getting started pretty early this year. Well, yeah, they had like a weird August 24th kickoff with uh, Miami and Florida, and I think one other matchup, so they're... They're pushing it early and earlier, so I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's really weird. But so yeah, we'll talk we'll start our college football talk this week and that'll roll along as well as our NFL previews. We'll also talk a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott possibly holding out, talking about what that might mean, and talking about may, uh, some of these big deals with throwing backs and like if he's worth it. Stuff like that. But first we start off on this week's show talking about the trade that happened, of course it happens, a day after we record our 100th episode, after we talked about him a little bit. Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, basically a swap nonetheless. Houston, OKC. Houston gets Westbrook, OKC gets Chris Paul, as well as get a couple future first-round picks and a couple drafts, uh, draft pick swaps as well. And so... I... I so here's the thing with Westbrook. So of course, I mean everybody knows Westbrook and Harden played back in 2012. It, but here's the thing though, both these players have changed so much since then. And sure, they may be good friends, and sure they may be played with each other. I don't necessarily know if it's a good fit because Westbrook, different player now than he was then, somewhat. Can't really shoot the ball that much. We saw him take a dip in his three-point shooting percentage and his free throw percentage within the last couple of years. And with Harden, he's just become an on-the-ball beast where like his usage rate is out of this world. And we really didn't see him have the ball that much in Oklahoma City. We saw him come off the bench as a six-man behind Westbrook and behind Durant. And yeah, we saw that, and it's been years since we've seen that happen. And I don't know about the fit. It's it's really it's really weird. And Westbrook's usage rate is out of this world too. Don't get me wrong. 
But I'm struggling to see the fit here with Houston. I'm not going to argue. Westbrook is a better player than Chris Paul is. And the contract situation, Chris Paul's contract is bad, and so is Westbrook's. Westbrook's has a year year longer left on his deal than CP3's. But I'm struggling to see the fit. Peter, you're hearing all this stuff. You're seeing all this stuff going on. Uh, What's your take on the Westbrook going to Houston trade and uh, if that makes him a contender or not? It's kind of in the same vein as what you were just saying. I think my big thing is how Harden has also changed as well. We know, like you said, with uh, Westbrook changing his game, Harden, you know, what's the meme been the past couple of uh, playoffs? You know, Harden disappearing and all that. I think that these are two egos that, yeah, might be aware of each other, but they've certainly, in the couple years since they haven't, because when did Harden leave? What was it, like 2012, 2013? Yeah, it was 2012. It was prior to that season and we had the oh, we had the Harden trade yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it's we're coming up on seven years of uh none of them together anymore so that's gonna be interesting I I still think yeah there'll be a fine team of course but in terms of the west with you know the Pelicans uh Clippers Lakers yeah I don't really know what they if they can really match that to be honest with you yeah I'm <laughs> And especially if the Mavs coming up too, I mean that might be a little hint, a little uh, sneak right back there. Yeah, the, the Mavericks are a team that's up and coming. They got Porzingis back. Rest in peace, New Spurs. Spurs will always have pops. So, I mean, yeah. he's always got to be a wild card. Yeah, you got a couple pieces coming back with that team, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm struggling to see the fit here. And here's the thing, though, we talk about how uh, how the fit doesn't work and how it could fit. I. Th- is Westbrook going to have to be on the ball and Westbrook off the ball? Is Harden going to have to play off the ball now? I mean, because I think that's the only viable way Westbrook can work. Because Westbrook can't shoot. I mean, he can cut and whatever, and he can go grab offensive rebounds and still make plays and all this stuff. But Westbrook can't really shoot. He's lost that touch. And I don't know if if you'd rather have the ball in Harden's hands or Westbrook's hands. I'm more inclined to have it in Harden's hands. Because we see what he can do, but I definitely think having a guy like Westbrook that still has a crazy, insane amount of energy still left in him, more so on CP3. Because with CP3, even though he's a better shooter, we've kind of seen him lose a step. And, yeah, I mean, and the contract situation doesn't help here because this contract is absurd. And, And here's the thing with the trade, too. The two future first round picks and the two pick swaps. Who was who is Houston outbidding? And be honest, uh, nobody's gonna try to bid for Chris Paul very heavily. I know Miami has been rumored to be interested, but I mean, I know they got Jimmy Butler, but I don't know Chris Paul. Like that's a terrible contract, and I think the only way you do that if you're Oklahoma City, and it's looking like they might actually keep Chris Paul. Is that if Miami just says, here, take a couple of our bad contracts, take an expiring or two, uh, give us one of our picks back, and then uh, we have a deal. But, so I think he's saying Oklahoma City for the foreseeable future. That may happen around, uh, that may not happen around February. He may be dealt. Mm -hmm. But with Houston, I mean, listen, Westbrook, again, Better player than Chris Paul is. And he's still one of the top 25 best players in the league. 
No question about it. Westbrook is a difference maker. And, yeah, we we mentioned the shooting, but he's going to bring so much more to that team. And here's the thing with Westbrook as well. That team has got shooters on it. That Houston team does. Harden, if you decide to play him off the ball, he, he can shoot. We know that. You got P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. You're bringing General Green back. You got a couple other pieces there, Austin Rivers. So you do got some pieces there where, like, if you spread the floor out, and we've seen that with Westbrook, how that plays out. The Westbrook, when he has shooters around him, is dangerous. Westbrook's a good passer. There's a reason why he averaged, why he's averaged a triple-double the last couple of years. And that's because he's getting a crazy amount of assists. He, he's throwing it to open teammates, whether it's on lobs or whether it's on open threes. It's just... I'm I'm still struggling to see the fit here. I, I still think I am all the way up until the season. And I think, Peter, I think we'll definitely know whether this works within the, within the first couple months of the season. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's guaranteed. I mean, maybe even earlier, to be honest. I just don't see these two meshing as of now. And especially with how the, the Rockets organization has been. Yeah, I don't really know if they have the people there that can, you know, manage these two together. Yeah, and we know Westbrook and Harden are friends, and I don't know if CP3 or Harden ever really were because of the disputes they got into and arguing about their games and what they should be doing instead of this and that and all this stuff. And another thing that's crazy to me is just to see the reaction around the league with this trade. Of course, it's very uh, – I can't find the word right now, but, like, it's – Man, I wish I could think of the word, but like Westbrook getting traded, that that's very he's a he's polarizing. And this trade was very polarizing because you got two of the most polarizing point guards in our league today. And I think that fits because I mean Westbrook is probably the most polarizing of the two. But here's the thing with Hart with uh Chris Paul and the reaction around him getting traded. People were laughing at this because mm-hmm. of course Chris Paul, he's a union president. And one of the things that he kind of worked behind the scenes as union president was trying to get this to where, like, you have the supermaxes, and that's where we get that. And so some of the players in the league laughed when he got traded uh, to the Thunder, who are obviously, they're rebuilding now. They got young pieces. They got draft picks. And, yeah, so this trade was very polarizing. Of course, that happens the day after we briefly talked about it on the show last week. But I've struggled to see the fit in Houston. That's my reaction to that side of the trade. With OKC, I mean, if you keep Chris Paul and maybe you can flip him later on to maybe take on a couple bad expirings, I guess that's fine. But with OKC, I think the thing here is with the rebuild and now you add more picks to your stockpile of the really the bunch of picks that you've gotten from the Clippers and it's like a crazy amount. So they've added seven additional first round picks lined up through 2026 via these deals that for Chris Paul and for Paul George, which is insane. Oklahoma city has a lot of flexibility for the future, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, this trade was, this trade was crazy. I still, I'm like you Houston. There's a bunch of teams up at the top, like the Clippers, they're, they're going to be really good. You have the Lakers. 
I, I really I mentioned this last week. I like what the Lakers have done. Nothing has changed my opinion on that. And you got the Jazz up there that are looking very good as well. And so it's very good. It's going to be very tough for Houston, but I'm intrigued to see what happens here. I, I, I think we're like everybody else. This thing we're going to find out what's going to ha- how this is going to work very very soon. It's not mm-hmm. going to be this type of thing where we're going to like the Miami Heat situation with uh, Chris, well, not Chris Paul, with Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh. We're like it took us a year. To, it took us a year to kind of figure out what they really were, and then they won their championship in the second year. I don't think it's going to be like that. We're going to find out soon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade. So that's a, another big move that's happened in the NBA. Another big move that slowly happened. We're not going to touch on this at all really much. Ben Simmons signing a five-year extension, one hundred seventy million. I'll I'll make the short case for this. I heard somebody mention this. I agree with this wholeheartedly. It's like the Andrew Wiggins Giannis extension. So one went one way and one won the MVP. The other went the other way and one is considered not to enjoy basketball at all. So we'll find out very shortly here soon whether that went one way or the other way. And if you're Philadelphia, you hope it goes to the way of the MVP in the future. All right. So we're starting off with our college football preview with the ACC. And, of course, your national title championship winner, Came out of the ACC with the Clemson Tigers. Of course, led by sophomore Trevor, uh, now sophomore Trevor Lawrence was freshman last year and really burst onto the scene, really lived up to a lot of the hype that was projected around him. So, yeah, let's get on into the ACC. So, Peter, I'm, I'm going to let you start off. Uh, what do you think about the ACC this year? Uh, so I, I will start with saying uh, for the foreseeable college football stuff, I'm using uh, Phil Steele's uh, college football preview. Definitely one of the best in the country. And uh, he has the ACC as the best conference overall. Now, it's hard to disagree with that when you have Clemson. Yeah. And they're going to be good under Sweeney for a long time. We know that. However, when it comes to everybody else, uh, I mean, you got Miami and Florida State, which we'll get into later. So there's your big three, which is... A pretty good one to have. But then you start getting to, you know, the wild cards, the Syracuses, the Virginia Techs, the Boston Colleges, the Louisvilles, all of that. Well, not, not Louisville. They've been bad ever since uh, Lamar left. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely a wild card conference because we know Clemson's probably going to win out and make it to the Final Four, most likely or not the national championship, especially with Trevor Simmons because – they have an offense coming here. A lot of their players on are ranked on the uh, first team ACC. Lawrence, Travis Etna running back. You have two of their wide receivers, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, John Simpson, out, uh, offensive lineman, along with uh, Termaine Alcrum. So they have a lot to work with here. They're returning eight offensive starters. So an offense last year that was already just destroying people left and right, they're going to be good again. Yeah. Defense was the biggest hit. They only have four coming back. And we had we talked about the uh, pretty much how that whole defensive line was first round material right there, and I think the majority of them did go first round. Yeah, I think so. So I mean, that's the biggest thing for Dabo Sweeney to work with. But again, the you always see Clemson at the top of recruiting in pretty much every category. So and you mentioned recruiting; it's hard to worry. You mentioned recruiting. I'm looking at the uh, rankings right now. So right now, I, looking at the rankings. 
They got the number two player in the country who's a defensive tackle. They are mm-hmm. leading for the number one player in the country who's a strong side defensive end. And also, they got the number seven player in the country who's another defensive end as well. And so, mm-hmm. they're just loading up on the defensive line, but they're bringing some guys back on that defense. Don't get us wrong. Oh, yeah. Like I said, defense is going to be the only thing they have to like really look at. But when you have a player like, you know... Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the weapons he's going to have and an offensive line that can help him. Clemson's just as dangerous as it ever was. So, I mean, it's really hard to say too much about them. They're clearly the favorite. And again, with, you know, our college previews, we're not going to do like, we're we're not going to make, you know, our rankings yet or where we think they're going to finish. But it goes without saying, especially when we get to the, AC, the a- SEC, we know who's going to win it, more likely than not. Yeah. It's pretty much who's going to fill in the Orange Bowl and the Citrus Bowl. That's what we really have to look at after that. Yeah. And so uh, you, you mentioned a couple of the other uh, two of the other so-called uh, the other big three. So let's start off with Miami. So the Miami, they don't have, uh, they promoted Manny Diaz, the head coach now. Miami was a mess last year. They hired Dan Enos from Alabama to run the offense. And they also brought in Ohio State transfer quarterback Tate Martell to mm-hmm. battle out Nikosi Perry and redshirt freshman Jaron Williams, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a key point for the Hurricanes because it's been a real mess at quarterback for Miami the last couple seasons, and I know they were your pick last year to win the championship. <laughs> Yeah, that fell apart week one with uh, freaking LSU and Ed Orgeron. Uh, are they going to win the championship this year? I'm not going crazy. I will say this. Mandy is, yes, first-year coach, but he has been there the past three years when they've had some of the craziest defenses I think we've seen in Miami for a long, long time. It's definitely not the 2001 team by far, but they've been impressive, and they're very even, returning six on offense and defense, so... There's a couple of interesting things to work with. Uh, Brevin Jordan, their tight end, is definitely one of the best in the nation. Jonathan Garvin, great defensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, Shaquille Quarterman, fantastic linebacker. I expect a lot of good things from him uh, this season. So there's a lot of interest there. And again, they're in a different division uh, compared to Clemson. They're in the coastal where Clemson's, of course, in the Atlantic because that's how the ACC works for whatever reason. So, I mean, they're going to have to, you know, worry about Virginia Tech, Virginia, Pitt, North Carolina, Duke, Georgia Tech. I still think they make a interesting run. I'm certainly not going to go crazy and say they're a national title contender. <laughs> However, uh, this is a Orange Bowl, Citrus Bowl type of team, I would say. Oh. They have enough. Now, that's that's the upside. The, the, the I think, realistic pick is, you know, middle of the road, maybe 9-3, and 8-4 and four at worst. But I could see them being maybe 10-2. and two. I think they can beat Florida. Yeah. They definitely will. They don't have Clemson during the regular season, so that helps. Florida State would be their only other really tough opponent, which we'll get to uh, down the road here. But, yeah, just can you can you survive the wild cardness of the uh, Atlantic Coastal with Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Pittsburgh? I think that's the big thing. I think they have enough uh, recruiting. I think they were kind of respectable. Yeah, I know they've lost a lot, a, a lot of recruits here within like this twenty twenty class and twenty twenty one. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the reason was for that, but you know, Miami they are they are an interesting team, and Manny Diaz is his, his first head coaching job. It also comes in his hometown. That's a big deal for him. So you know mm-hmm. he's going to try his hardest. But you know the the Miami fans. Oh man, it's like the Tampa Bay Rays when it comes to them putting fans in their seats. It's it's crazy, but the expectations are high again. Unfortunately, like they were kind of, you know, figuring it out, especially after like two thousand five from 2005 to about 2015 when they were just kind of middle of the road, just floundering the ACC. Yeah. But now, I mean, especially last year, I mean, I wasn't the only one who had them potentially being a national national championship scenario. So those expectations of the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, they, they reared their head again. So I don't know how they're going to work with that. So I think they might want to play toward the upside because if they make an orange bowl or citrus bowl, that looks good on them. Cause they're not going to make the champion. They're not going to make the final four no, without a doubt. They're not. Clemson's going to murder them. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. Moving on to the next thing that you mentioned was part of the big three, Florida state, Florida state. My goodness. They had a rough year last year, Peter. Yeah. The 33 year bowl game streak ended, which first of all, <laughs> about to say, if you, if you were going to be asked uh, who's the most consistent team of the past four decades you have to say florida state yeah because alabama you know they had some three and nine years there clemson of course had a lot of bad years florida state a lot of that under uh bobby bowden and of course uh oh, oh what's his name in texas a&m jimbo. jimbo jimbo fisher yeah. yep jimbo they did a lot of really good things and uh willie taggart took over and in his first year uh well uh could have gone better could have gone better. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely could have. I believe it was the first game last year they were playing Bama. You had Francois win a go out in the first game. Am am I thinking right? Am I thinking the right year? That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 so you have Francois there. You're you have high hopes for him, and then he gets hurt. He's out for the majority of the year, and then you just had a dumpster fire at a quarterback not knowing who's going to be there and you lose to pro I, I know they lost to some inferior team that there's no way they should have lost to yeah i'm looking at their schedule uh well they kind of beat who they should have they just had a lot of blowout losses to you know they lost to Florida 14-41 Notre Dame 13-42 Clemson 10 to 59 i mean it oh, was oh. It was a rough, rough ride. They do return a lot. It's eight on both sides of the ball. So that's, I guess, good. I mean, they're, they're definitely going to have that holding over them all season long, of course. But, uh, you know, especially coming in last year after the uh, 20, uh, 2017 campaign kind of fell apart where they, you know, had the number one versus number three Alabama game and just... Uh, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Still made the Independence Bowl where they just annihilated Southern Miss. I mean, there's wor- there's pieces there, I would say. I just think it's kind of a, you got to be realistic here. Yeah, you have to. Like, Florida State's not going to be contending. If you're Florida State this year, you got to hope for 7-5, and five, I think. Or maybe 8-4 at the most. I think upside is nine and three as I go back to their schedule. Cause let's see, yeah, they'll, they they have an easy L to Clemson, one hundred percent. Like I said with Miami, that's a wild card. 
Florida, it's the last game of the season. Could go either way, depending on how Florida plays this year. They start the season against Boise State. Yes, I mean, right there, we just identified four potential tough games, and you know them. I mean, is Virginia guaranteed? Is Syracuse isn't guaranteed anymore. Boston College is a wild card. So, I mean, there's a lot that can go wrong for Florida State. I think they're going to be one of the more improved teams by far, but it would not surprise me if we're back to, you know, coming down the line, they're barely going to make a bowl game. I think they get back to a bowl game for sure because, I mean, outside of Syracuse and Clemson, the Atlantic, I mean, North Carolina State, they could do something. Boston College, maybe. Wake Forest, Louisville, probably not. So, I mean, there's pieces there for sure. Yeah, and they need to shore up the offensive line too because that's what and that's what killed them last year. They finished 129th nationally in yards per carry. That's not good. And when you have the talent of Florida State, Florida is such a rich state as far as recruiting. And so mm-hmm. Florida State, you're you're going to get some people. You're obviously going to get some people there and around the country as well because people recognize Florida State. They they mm-hmm. recognize all that stuff. So. I think there is upside, but you mentioned there's a lot of toss-up games in their schedule. Yeah, and if you want to bring up offensive line, uh, Phil Steele uh, identified four of the you know top ACC teams. Of the 16 spots that you could have an offensive lineman in one of those four, none of them are Florida State. <laughs> so even on the fourth ACC team, Florida State can't find an offensive lineman. That's- yeah. Th- it's going to be tough, and... And they're bringing back four of the five offensive linemen, too. Yeah. They are ranked six overall in the ACC. It's just none of them stick out. So, I mean, they might be a cohesive unit, per se, but nobody's going to really impress, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess the next big thing to kind of look at, Peter, we have somebody coming back. Mac Brown. Yeah, what a situation he's coming back to. <laughs> He's now the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Oh, man. So, yeah, so he's coming back. He, he's been retired for a few years. He's coming back to North Carolina. Uh, and he, and apparently he's recruiting pretty well, too. And he's got he's got a lot of high, pretty decent recruits interested in coming there. And so, yeah, and they're in the Coastal Division. And I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, it, it's really tough. Is, is Mac Randall still a good coach in 2019? See, that's the thing. He's going to get the recruits based off the name for this season. Yeah. However, if they're... Because the past couple years have not been kind to them. Uh, last year, they were 2-9. and nine, The year before, 3-9. and nine. 2016, they had an 8-5 and five campaign. And, of course, 15 was the weird 11-3 year. But even then, I mean... <laughs> I just don't know what to expect with this team, to be honest with you. I... I'm almost expecting the worst case scenario. Because Mac Brown, as his career ended at Texas, I mean, we just saw some very, very poor football from Texas. Yeah. To the point where he had to put Charlie Strong in. <laughs> and that was even worse. <laughs> you kids remember Charlie Strong? He was fun. <laughs> Ask Louisville that. <laughs> oh, well, poor Charlie Strong. But yeah, you know, and I'm taking a look at North Carolina's schedules too. Starting off against South Carolina, my and then you got Miami, and then you got to go at Wake Forest, and that's not a given either. Because mm-hmm. Wake Forest has been a sneaky good team mm-hmm. the last couple of years. 
And then you got Appalachian State. Clint, Which could be an easy L. Yeah, Appalachian State is by no means a guarantee either. You got Clemson. That's an L. Georgia Tech. <laughs> I mean, we're, worst case scenario, we just we just opened a universe where they're 0-5 to begin the season. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Like, I'm looking at somebody who's predicting their schedule within the first five games. They're like they're one and five and they're one and four. Mm-hmm. They're one and four. So, and they don't get a bye date until October twelfth. And now here's an interesting thing here with college football. Now is that we get two open dates, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting aspect in which I'm intrigued to see how that plays out this year. Because hey, you know, so weather can be a strange thing, Peter. Something could happen, and you you might need to move a game. Well, yeah, I mean, last year we had like three hurricanes hit the uh, the southern United States, and it just completely threw a lot of schedules into chaos here. I mean, uh, they had to cancel games. That's why I think uh, I think earlier we t- one team was like only played eleven games because you know they couldn't figure out how to schedule the next one. Yeah, and didn't uh, for our good buddy Chase uh, didn't wasn't Miami supposed to come to uh, Arkansas State and that never happened? Yeah, that was supposed to happen. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, I feel bad for you, Jace. Oh. Well, don't worry. Arkansas State got a lot of money out of it, so <laughs> hey, that's true. <laughs> I mean, college football—that's a cash grab. Mm-hmm. I guess take a look at some of the other teams going going around the ACC. So we mentioned Virginia and Virginia Tech, the two Virginias. They're very intriguing, especially Virginia. They could be a sleeper team. Yeah, uh, they've had a couple interesting things the past couple of years. I mean, when you have a coach named Bronco Mendenhall, I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2017, they definitely should have beaten Virginia Tech, but they just kind of got, you know, they were undisciplined down the stretch last year. Eight and five, they made it to the Belk Bowl, so where they beat South Carolina, 28 and up, and so there's a lot of interesting things uh going on in charlottesville uh especially within the coastal where it could be anyone's game yeah i can work with that yeah and of course with virginia tech uh six offensive starters returning 10 on defense so that's a very interesting thing to look into because their offense last year was pretty solid for the most part defense though did allow a lot of points in a lot of games like there, there were some close you know 40 42 games on that virginia tech schedule last year yeah so that's gonna be a wild card uh justin flute i mean you're taking over for beamer you're never gonna live up to that uh, so no you're gonna have a tough time yeah so that's it i wouldn't i don't know what to expect from virginia tech just yet i still think they're a contender in terms of, you know, respectability. But I'm not going to go crazy. Uh, we go to Yinzer Cinderella with the Panthers. <laughs> Pat Narduzzi comes back. Five offensive stars returning six on defense. Yeah, last year was last year was weird. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, tell us more, Peter, about how it was weird. <laughs> uh, well, they won the ACC Coastal. Yeah, so. yeah that happened. <laughs> They had the honor of getting slapped around by Clemson, the ACC championship in front of national TV. So that was good. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> they were probably hoping, man, can we get Dan Marino back in here? <laughs> can we get James Conner in here too? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
if there's a team that can make a stupid run again, it's going to be them. I mean, <laughs> they can beat Virginia. They'll lose to Penn State, of course. I mean, that's guaranteed. <laughs> Nothing's a guarantee with Penn State, Peter. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially that first half last year. <laughs> they do have the honor of take uh, UCF at home, so good luck there. Yep. Oh. Yeah, I think Pitt comes back to comes back to the uh, earth real quick this year. <laughs> now I look now I look more at the schedule. Yeah, that's a tough one. So <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about Yenzer Cinderella again, folks. <laughs> no, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. So we've had, we have a couple sleeper teams here. You know, you mentioned Boston College, Syracuse. Oh, Syracuse surprised some people last year. Syracuse, I want to get more into because. They were consistently like three and nine and four and eight for the last felt like decade, and then last year just ten and three out of absolutely nowhere. Are, is Syracuse a football school now? I guess so. Oh man, I never thought I'd see that's that. what happens when that's what happens when Carmelo left. That, that, well, that's been for like seventeen years now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they have the best coach named Dino Babbers. What a name! Uh, great name. And, you know, they're returning a lot on defense would kind of help them a lot last year. Seven of them, to be exact. I mean, Clemson, they gave them a run, 23-27. Uh, and Clemson, it's home. They're just they're just going right at the bat. September 14th at home. They're making homecoming immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good on them. Like, there are schools that don't schedule homecoming until, like, October. Not Syracuse. They, they won an upset immediately. So, if you're Clemson, the only one that you have to, like, really look at... <laughs> is going to be Syracuse. Yeah. What a world we live in. Oh, man. I never thought we'd see this. Uh, I think you said Boston College is another potential surprise. Yeah. Mr. Steve Adazio, what's better than a bunch of guys being dudes? <laughs> All-time They're gonna right there. Best buy ever. <laughs> Sports one, at least. <laughs> they have a lot to do. They only have three defensive stars returning, so that's going to be a big thing to look at. But you know what? They've they've been low-key consistent. Not not noticeable consistent, but you know, enough to be, you know, 7-6 usually. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to work with here. Uh, I'd say they're non-conference. I mean, they got Kansas, so that should be an easy win. They got Rutgers. Oh, they're going to kill that poor school. <laughs> oh, poor Rutgers. <laughs> Can't wait to get in the Big Ten. It's just going to be a expletive show on Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Boston College, you know what? They'll, I think it's another six, seven-year win. So, nothing too bad there. You met, you mentioned Rutgers, Peter. That shows next week. Oh, goody. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, looking at the rest of the ACC, North Carolina State, they're a uh, wild card as usual. Wake Forest, uh, as I go to the page here, yeah, they, they're they on a stable, more, more stable track since 2016, so... I think Dave Clawson has some stuff to work with. Seven on offense, five on defense coming back. A uh, respectable enough schedule to make a lower bowl game. Yeah. Which is good for recruiting. Uh, but, I mean, Louisville, how did this happen? <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. They went from, like, perennial, like, wildcard team to just, yeah, and they're bringing Scott Satterfield his first year. They got 10 returning on defense, although that wasn't really, eh, I gave 66 to Georgia Tech last year. <laughs> oh, Brad just got a new defense out, out of the gate. Oh, man. We almost forgot about Duke. <laughs> oh, man, what a world. Yeah, Duke, they lost uh, the not-deserving number six, uh, sixth overall pick. 
and uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones. You can get that right out the gate. That's that's a little tease of the NFC East right there. Oh, that's gonna be the fun show. Oh man, cow. Uh, oh man, uh, yeah. So yeah, Duke. Oh, you know what? Georgia Tech was not as bad as I thought they were last year. Seven six. That's and fine. also Georgia Tech has got a new coach. Paul Johnson ain't yeah, there anymore. That's right. So. Boy, it's going to be fun with the ACC. Not, of course, with Clemson. They're going to win it for sure. Are we, are we not going to see the triple option in Georgia Tech? Oh, that'd be sad. Oh, man. I guess we'll find out in week one. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, again, without picking, we know this is going to be a Clemson year, of course. I mean, that team is just so built. It's, I mean, It's stupid how good they are. We, we didn't even talk about Xavier Thomas on the defensive line, Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. Oh man, uh, both great talents. Yeah, that team's gonna—they're <laughs> gonna crush a lot of people. The only team that can do anything is Syracuse, and it's gonna be very early in the season. Where, let's be real, Syracuse is probably gonna have to get some stuff figured out here. Yeah, they. So I think that might be a good uh, hope for Clemson. Yeah. So I guess is that gonna wrap it up for the ACC? Yeah, like I say, not the more, it gets more fun when you realize how much of a dumpster fire it's going to be past, you know, number one and two in each division. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's it's the Clemson show. Miami and Florida State are wild cards in terms of maybe making a good run. And then after that, it's just uh, who's going to fill up the remaining bowl games. Yeah. So that was the ACC, everybody. This is the first preview of college football that we've done this year next week as i mentioned we got the big 10 so peter's gonna rant about his penn state nittany lions next week so get ready to listen to that that's gonna be crazy if you want to hear me yell about indiana's quarterback situation for 10 minutes that's the show for you (laughs) so this is all the lead up to our college football final predictions where we'll what we'll do what we did last year We'll make our predictions about who's going to win the conferences, who's going to win the national title, and I'm assuming we'll make our week one picks as well, which mm-hmm. we did last year. So hopefully we get a new king instead of Diva Matt Mormon this year. <laughs> and we'll do all that on August 28th. So, yeah, so that's the ACC. We got the Big Ten coming up next week. So, yeah, everybody get ready for college football. That's coming up here really shortly. I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed it's coming up in late August. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Four days be four days after or before the twenty eighth, you're gonna have Miami and Florida, so we'll probably have to pick earlier than that, to be honest. Yeah, we will. Oh man, we'll 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 save the independents and you know the non power fives for that last week. Who cares? Yeah, and, and plus a little school called Semo. Yeah, who really cares? Fire coach too. Do we have to? Do we have to really talk about Semo? We don't go there anymore. Well, I well, I mean. Uh, uh, it's still called from uh, the views from the five seven three, and Semo was technically in the five seven three area. So yeah, the five seven three area code is huge, though. It's like half the state. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Peter, I think we'll end off this week of college football with this. Fire Coach Tuke. Oh yeah, I don't care that he made the playoffs. Fire him. <laughs> All right, so now we're moving on into another story that's become. Uh, headliner here of course we we had the melvin gordon news about him potentially maybe sitting out well another top flight running back is thinking of maybe holding out peter ezekiel elliott 
you know, I can't even say I'm surprised at that. Me neither. And this situation in Dallas is, you got to pay Dak. You've already paid Demarcus mm-hmm. Lawrence a huge amount of money. You don't know how much you're going to have to pay Dak. You might have to pay him in the upwards of over $20 million. And then you also got to pay Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. And, ah, man, it, it's tough. I mean, of course, I mean, Zeke, as great as he is, we we've we know the story about running backs in the NFL. They mm-hmm. don't have a long shelf life. And especially with Zeke, I mean, he just keeps getting in off-the-field situations. I mean, he had the, uh, of course, the suspension two years ago that was, you know, pretty much if you had him on your fantasy team, you had to have a lawyer present to, you know, know if you could start him or not. <laughs> and now he has this whole Vegas mishap where I think he's met with Goodell. So, I mean, God knows what comes out of that. Yeah. Now, he's due to make a salary of about 3.8 this year. And next year, around nine, uh, around nine million next year, he could ultimately be looking from Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports. He could be looking for at least ten million per year. I think it, it may be more than that. He may be looking to be the top running back paid in the league. And I know we've seen what's happened with Todd Gurley, and I know it's two different situations because Zeke has been, for the most part, he's been stayed really healthy throughout his career. But and Ty Gurley right now is very iffy right now looking at his outlook. But I don't know. Do you, so obviously you're going to, have to pay Dak and you're going to, have to pay Amari. Which one are you going to pay first, and which one's more important, Zeke or Dak? I feel like Zeke's more important. To be completely honest with you, I still haven't seen anything out of Dak consistently that makes me think he is worth money. I think he'll he'll. You still have to keep him, especially for Cooper. Yeah. But I don't think he can command a high salary like, you know, the Rodgers or the Braves of the world. I don't think he's there. And he said he's not going to take a hometown discount. No. And, I mean, I guess, I mean, why should he? But, but I don't know. I feel like, I mean, they drafted a couple running backs this year in the draft. One, I forget who they draft. I know one was a running back for sure. Another was Tony Pollard. He was running back slash wide receiver, wide receiver out of Memphis, so he could split out the split out wide or whatever. But I think with running backs, you can find good running backs anywhere. Uh, no, maybe not as good as Zeke, but like good serviceable, serviceable running backs. I mean, and so you got the offensive line there. That's that's the big thing. I mean, I uh, remember a couple of years ago when the Steelers had to put like D'Angelo Williams in when he was like thirty two. <laughs> And he was still like just running amok because the offensive line just gave him all the holes he could ever want. Like that was a guy like putting up you know twenty points in fantasy for you. Yeah, and it was ridiculous. Like that's an offensive line that can handle anybody. So I mean, I think Zeke might realize it, especially after Connor. James Connor kind of showed the NFL. Oh yeah, if your offensive line is fine, you could put anybody in there. You really can. You mentioned the James Connor situation. That really showed that that could work that yeah that you could throw in a guy that you drafted in the mid rounds throw him behind a great offensive line and he can do and he can go gangbusters on every team mm-hmm. it's just i feel like Dak may be more important because i mean Dak, even though he's not no he's not in the rogers brady mahomes that tier but i definitely think 
he's above average. So, I mean, you're going to have to pay some money to him. You're going to have to keep him. I don't know. It's going to be tough to find another good quarterback out there. But we always know everybody's looking for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no, especially we got the 2020 draft coming up next year. That's got a bunch of quarterbacks. But, yeah, I, with, with Zeke, if again, if he's holding out, if he's probably said that to a bunch of people, it's not surprising to me. It's not surprising mm-hmm. to you. It's probably not surprising to a bunch of people. But I don't know if, uh, given Zeke, great running back, and, of course, he had the off-field stuff. I think you give Dak his deal first, and you wait and see with Zeke. Because, again, anything can happen within the next few months. And again, you can throw anybody in that backfield. And behind the Dallas offensive line, I mean, you're going to get some good rushing numbers out of them, mm-hmm. without a doubt. So, I don't know. This is going to be something to we'll have to talk a little bit more about when we talk about the NFC East, I guess. Yeah, I do want to touch on uh, Melvin Gordon real quick because he's sitting out. He's uh, commanding money compared to like Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. And it kind of surprised me. He's 26 now, so I mean, we're kind of at that wild card stage with him. And he's only posted 1,000-yard season. Now, technically, yeah, 2016, he was three yards away from 1,000, so I mean, you could round up. But com- is he really on the level of Gurley and DJ and Le'Veon? I don't know. I think he's on the he's, next tier. Yeah, he's definitely the second tier, but I don't know. I don't think a second tier guy can command first tier money. I definitely think Zeke might be in that first tier. Oh, absolutely. I think the first tier is Zeke, DJ, Le'Veon, Gurley, maybe McCaffrey, if depending on how he goes. Well, even then, maybe not because he's a, more of a pass catcher. Yeah, I would put McCaffrey maybe in that second tier. Yeah. So, it, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, Gordon is on the threshold of getting into that first tier. We'll have to see mm-hmm. after this year. But, yeah, I, th- that's crazy to me. I definitely think he deserve, uh, he deserves to get paid. Maybe not as much as those guys. So mm-hmm. That's going to be a little bit something more, I guess, when we'll talk about the AFC West with mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon and his Chargers and with Zeke and his Cowboys in the NFC East. So, speaking of previews, now it's time to roll into another week of our NFL previews where we're talking about the NFC North. And we got to talk about the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears, and the Lions. Now, Jace said last week that take the over on the amount of games that the Bears win. That take that, put your rent money, uh, put whatever money you have at all on them. And so I guess let's just start with the Bears since he brought he, he mentioned that last week. Let's talk about the Bears. So the Bears, I mean, who could have seen this last year, Peter? Twelve and four. It it was just crazy. And you had first year coach Matt Nagy there. You don't you didn't really know what you were getting still with Mr. Trubisky. You still don't. But yeah, so let's talk about the Bears. And of course, I mean that their season ended against to, against the Eagles. And of course, uh shout out to Cody Parkey for, for all that stuff. You know, I rewatched that kick recently, and someone pointed out that the way he hit the uh, the uh, goalpost spelled L because uh, uh, he hit the left upright, and then it went to the bottom. Oh, uh, <laughs> that was that's good. That's good. Whoever said that, good on you. That was hilarious. Well, that's fitting. Now, I I can't think of anything fitting for Cody Park either. That. Yeah, I think when you start with the Bears, if anything, it's gonna be defense 
because that's what really got them there last year. Oh, yeah. Defense. You, you trade for Khalil Mack. That works out for you. He had 12 and a half sacks in 14 games. Yeah. Now, the only worry is their new coordinator is Chuck Pagano. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. It, well, it, well, I know he, he he was with the Ravens and he coached defense for a while. I guess that would be a thing for, uh, for Matt to talk about, but I don't know. I think he might, it, this might be a good spot for him. He's definitely got the talent on defense to work with something. Don't don't get me wrong, but I think I don't know. I can, I'm intrigued by it. I think you know he's not head coach anymore. He's back in his old setting, so maybe he can work his magic there on defense and make something happen and uh, get another good year out of them. As long as he's not deciding special teams trickery, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, don't let him see the special teams playbook, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean. Uh, they did lose Jordan Howard. He's in uh, Philly right now. Yes. and So Cohen's pretty much the man. And they also illustrated uh, David Montgomery, right? Yeah, David Montgomery from Iowa State. He fits more of what Nagy likes, likes to do. The reason why they traded Howard is that he wasn't really a fit in Matt Nagy's scheme. And of course, Nagy came from the Kansas City system the year before. And Montgomery, he can run. He can catch out of the backfield. He caught 58 passes for Iowa State over the last two seasons. and So he's able to do that. He's also able to run in between the tackles. And you mentioned Tariq Cohen, mm-hmm. just an electrifying player. And so you have those two as your two running backs. And then I guess let's stay on offense here. and We'll go back to we'll switch gears back to defense. And the big question here is, so they, they also didn't add Mike Davis to the backfield. They had Ted mm-hmm. Larson to the offensive line. Uh, you had you had a basically two kickers. I'm looking at Walter Football, but they cut Chris Blewett, which that would have been perfect <laughs> for the Bears. But you bring in Eddie Pinero to be your kicker. You have all this on offense. The big question here is Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, that's what I really want to talk about because I still don't know what type of quarterback he's going to turn into. Nobody's sure. Because the thing is, he has the wide receiver weapons to help him with anything. I mean, Allen Robinson is going to be the guy who can go far with him, but we still we haven't seen Trubisky really utilize that yet. And mm-hmm. Allen Robinson's numbers really show that, especially if you have him in fantasy football. I mean, he was just yeah, it took a dip, yeah, t- super dip. And you know, you could be like, well, he he was coming off an injury, yada yada. Sure, but again, he was no longer he had everything going with him. He had a quarterback that wasn't Blake Bortles. <laughs> That'll make a difference. I mean, I mean, outside of that, I mean, he's receiver core. I don't think he knows what he really wants to be just yet, but he has a weapon for any type of thing he turns into. So yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be maybe a hot seat year for him. I would say. Yeah. And a lot of things hinge on him. We know what the defense is going to bring. We'll go back to them Mm -hmm. in a second, but yeah, there's, there's so many questions there. I mean, they did get a 12 and four. So something, did happen. He, he wasn't consistent last year, but he did mm-hmm. show some improvement. And he did uh, have some pretty big games for him. But that's the big thing here, going into year three, going into year two with Matt Nagy's system. If you're Matt Nagy, if you're the Chicago Bears, I think what you're hoping for is in year, in year two in this system, you understand it completely. 
you know, inside and out, backwards and forwards, and you could go off uh, this year and just go and just do whatever you do whatever you can. And I think that's a really big thing. If you know the playbook, I think that that's going to really help you. If you're a year two in the system, uh, in which Matt Nagy, he was a good offensive coordinator in Kansas City. And there's a reason why the Bears picked him to be the head coach. And you saw some elements of the Kansas City offense. So I think if you're the Bears, you got to hope that year two in this system, if that you hope Mr. Trubisky just takes off. And you mentioned the offense, you got Robinson, you got Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. You're still hoping Trey Burton, that he proves more of him being worthy of that $32 million deal that they gave him last year. Yeah, because I was really big on him last year, and he just didn't do jack. <laughs> no, not at all. And, I mean, I know I, I had him too, and he didn't do anything for me. But you're hoping for that. You're also hoping for the offensive line to stick together. They did pay Bobby Massey thir- around $31 million, which that might be an overpay. But, look, hey, when you're talking about a cohesive offensive line that has chemistry and know how each other works, that's not an overpay. I mean, all the weapons you just listed, I mean, in the backfield, you're going to have Cohen Montgomery. You have Robinson, Gabriel, and Miller. I mean, Trubisky has everything to work with, and if you could give an offensive line, give him more time maybe, which isn't really good for quarterbacks. You kind of want your quarterback to be very, you know, knowledgeable and be, you know, go. Yeah. But, hey, he's still not there yet. He was a project from the beginning. We all knew that. Yes, we all knew that. And the fact that... Two years in, he's showing signs of progression is good. But this is a team that has high expectations. I don't think he's all there just yet. The defense is going to help him a lot, and he's got the weapons. So it's going to be a wild card year for the Bears. Not, you know, in terms of where they finish. They'll probably win the division more likely than not. But I think what happens come playoff time, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. And so, going back to the defense, of course, you got Khalil Mack there. Uh, Leonard Floyd, you're hoping to get something out of him. And what I guess this is his fifth year with them. So, they had the option to get rid of him after this year. So, you got to hope that he can prove something this year. But even if he does, it could just be because he's in a contract year. So, mm-hmm. But you do have Akeem Hicks, really great last year. One of the top three, four defensive ends. You have him. You drafted Roquan Smith last year. Really great pickup. Love him. And you bring in – you do lose a couple pieces on defense. Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos, who went to the Packers, which we'll talk about there in a little. But you bring bring in Buster Skirine. You bring him in there. You have Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamara, Eddie Jackson. But this Bears defense, uh, it's really good, Peter. Oh, yeah, it's it's the best in the league for sure, hands down. Yeah, and... Just hope they don't end up like the Jaguars last year when they had the oh. easily the best, and then it just turned into a absolute dumpster fire. Uh, well, Peter, that, I, I wish a dumpster fire on Jacksonville any time of the day. <laughs> I don't wish this on the Chicago Bears. I do wish a dumpster fire on their kickers, though. That's hilarious. If that season ends in a playoff game on a missed field goal again, I think that city just destroys the team. <laughs> oh man, they're going to they're going to rip off all the renovations they made to Soldier Field and just turn it back into old Soldier Field. Well, they'll bring in Jay Cutler back for that. 
Now there, now you're talking. Yeah, there we go. Get more of a get more disaster in there, Peter. You're not thinking. Run wild, run the wildcat with Jay Cutler. <laughs> you're not thinking stupid enough, Peter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, there's the Chicago Bears, and I guess we'll keep on going in alphabetical order. Let's go to Detroit. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions here. I'm going to pull up something about them because I I got something pulled up on every team except the Detroit Lions because of course. <laughs> and be, because who knows with this team? You got your year two and Matt Patricia. Your year two with that. You know, Peter, I saw something crazy. Golden Tate, who's played with, who's played in Detroit the last few years. He also played in Seattle. He said Matthew Stafford is better than Russell Wilson. Uh, I think I think he's been with the Giants a little bit too long, Peter. Yeah, boy, is uh, is there some recreational drug I'm not aware of that's legal in that state? <laughs> I, I mean, hey, it's New York. Fair enough. I mean, anything's possible, but. Uh, I will say, uh, coming into this season, Matt Patricia, boy, he's uh, he's got a lot to uh, attend to because 2016, 2017, they were 9-7, and he comes in and they're immediately 6-10. <laughs> yeah. But, Peter, they beat the Patriots. Who cares? Yeah, guess where the Patriots finished. <laughs> yeah, in the Super Bowl. Uh. I will say, I'm going to start it on offense with them because that's where I'm usually more interested in. Defense with Detroit, I just kind of think is an oxymoron. (laughs) I still think Stafford's fine. He's not good enough to win big stuff, but he'll get you close there. Now, everything around him, though, I like. I I love Kerryon Johnson. I think he's going to have an excellent year. Kenny Galloway, I have a lot of faith in. And uh, TJ Hawk. Uh, Hawkinson. They spent a lot of him on the draft. Oh man, I love he. I love him. He could be the he could be a new Gronk in Detroit, which would be fun. I I love Hawkinson. One of my favorite players out of the draft. Oh yeah, I I think there's a lot to work with on offense for him in all three of those capacities. So very good thing to work with. Uh, defense. I'll let you take over because to be honest, every year with them, I'm just like uh, do they exist. I think. <laughs> Well, Peter, they do exist. They they added Trey Flowers. Speaking of mm-hmm. uh, speaking of the Patriots, another former Patriot has left to join uh, a pa- uh, former Patriot coach. Mm-hmm. So he signed a big deal with Detroit there, and they did bring in one of the Clemson defensive linemen, Peter Austin Bryant. Probably the okay that that's fine. Probably the lesser known out of all of them, but still still a pretty good piece to add in. You, obviously, you lose Ziggy Ansah, you, who you've had for years. And so you're trying to make do with what you have. Of course, you got your mainstays, Damon Harrison, Deshaun Hand, Ashawn Robinson. You got those defensive tackles there. Hopefully something good out of them. Uh, yeah, the defense, I mean, it's a thing. Linebackers, I'm trying to remember who they have at linebackers. I know they got Gerard Davis, who they're really high on. And... Man, I, I can't really I can't really tell you a whole, whole lot about the Lions because there's not a whole lot out there on them. They signed Danny Amendola. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I just saw that. What is with the Lions and the Titans all of a sudden trying to be the Patriots? Well, Peter, I, I'll tell you what. We've had far more success than the Lions have had with it so far. <laughs> we really have. I'll get into more about them when we talk about the AFC South, which is I think. Hold on, let me pull it up. Oh yeah. They, oh, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot they got a uh, Amani Oriah out of Penn State. I forgot that was a good steal for them. Okay. So he's a good quarterback, so that's good for them on defense. Yeah. I just found out. We're talking about the AFC South next week, so it's only going to be a week from now until you guys find out what I think about the New England Titans. 
Hey. Uh, gotta make that joke in there somewhere. You also gotta make the joke that this is the New England Lions, basically. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The Lions, I mean, of course, you got Darius Slay back there. Maintain at cornerback. Really good corner right there. So, yeah, I mean, not really whole much you can say on the Lions. I'd say they're not an interesting team. They really aren't. I'm sorry, Lions fans. Not take that back. Oh I'm no! Not. Yeah, you don't have to apologize. They're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> they were 0 16 before it was cool. Oh, shout out to Cleveland. <laughs> uh, the Lions wish they were Cleveland right now. Oh man, yeah, getting Odell. Yeah. Do you feel like the Lions are cheap? I bet the Lions feel like they're cheating because when they went 0 16, it took forever to get back to like any sort of like respectability. The Browns, two years after 0-16, they're like playoff contenders. <laughs> oh, yeah, they must be feeling some type of way about that. They have to be. Do you remember Do you remember those uh, parody uh, Cleveland tourist videos? <laughs> I think the second one ended, we're not Detroit. And that's really starting to look uh, exactly like what's going on here. <laughs> Detroit is, I guess, officially the worst city in America. Ah. Uh... Shout out to the Detroit Pistons too. <laughs> you know what they need? They need run our test that, that, in some capacity on this team. Oh yeah, I you know Peter, I think you need to get them fighting. Get them fighting with the fans. Make it listen. The NBA make it fan friendly. Get the fans involved. Make it an interactive experience. About say though, I don't care who you are. If you got a six seven lineman coming up to beat you up, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're not surviving that. All right, so that's pretty much where every Detroit talk ends. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, and this one, and this might be the most interesting team out of the division to talk about. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, for the wrong reasons, but nonetheless, the reasons. So, Mike McCarthy isn't there. You got you bring in former Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. The offense, it's, it's, see, it, I know Matt talked about this a lot last year, and I, I agree with him. The offense, there really wasn't any improvement there. And so you're wondering what you get out of him and Aaron Rodgers and how that relationship is going to work. And I just don't know. And Aaron Rodgers, he's a mystery case. Who knows what's up with him? He went from like the most likable guy in the NFL to just being like the biggest diva overnight, getting his coach fired. And what I think did it was he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, he has nothing really to prove anymore, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. And they did, uh, so some, some of the losses, they did lose Randall Cobb, um, Howard Wilkerson, Nick Perry. They did lose Clay Matthews, which that's going to be weird to see on that defense, to not see that long hair flying around. You lost Jake Ryan, Rashad Breeland, Kentrell Bryce. But they did have a very good draft and a very good offseason. So you add Billy Turner to the offensive line. And you add to that defense, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith to add to the edge rushers for the Packers. You also add Adrian Amos over from the Bears. And the draft, I kind of like what they did. They added Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. They added Darnell Savage. That's a great name for a safety. They added mm-hmm. another offensive lineman, Elgin Jenkins, and tight end Jay Sternberg, who I really like. I think he's underrated. He, he had a really good year at Texas A&M under Jimbo. I think... Packers got really good tight end there, but yeah, the whole thing hinges on there is the relationship now between Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers, and I I don't know what to make of it. It's just 
We'll see how this plays out during the season, but I'll tell you what, LaFleur better making a pressure on Aaron Rodgers right, right away because mm-hmm. Aaron isn't playing. Yeah. We, we should say Aaron Rodgers still has a lot to work with. Devontae Adams is definitely one of the better wide receivers in the league by far. Yes. Aaron Jones is developing very well, which is, I'll say, I, what was the last, like, really good Green Bay running back? Oh, man, I can't, I can't even think of anyone right now. I don't even think they had a running back for the longest time. They just put an extra wide receiver back there. I mean, they ba- I mean, they basically did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, defensively, uh, I think you kind of touched on it. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. They've added pieces. Yeah, it, it, it's so every team in this division is going to be so overshadowed by what the Bears are doing defensively that all you can really say is like it's there. Yeah, <laughs> they acknowledge it's a thing. Yeah. So the de- yeah the defense they've added some pieces we'll see how they play out and the offense again we'll see how this plays out we'll see what system Lafleur has in place for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and man the, the listen I'll tell you what Lafleur and Lafleur struggled in Tennessee with some of the play calling he did do some interesting things but he he didn't get what out he didn't get the most out of him I don't think and. As a head coach now, it's it's kind of it was a head scratcher when they hired him. It's still a head scratcher now. It's very tough to see if this is this was the right hire by Green Bay. So we'll see how this plays out for sure. Because I think I definitely think we'll get some fireworks in the season between him and Rodgers for sure. And and we shall say if Rodgers, I mean, we have the injury concerns now more than anything. Yeah, we gotta be worried about that too. I mean, that's why they added to the offensive line. So, uh, who knows? This uh, season for the Packers will definitely be interesting. And then, I guess, moving on to our final team, the Minnesota Vikings. So, Peter, they, I guess you, you may know they've had a they had a quarterback last year. Kirk Cousins, may have heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I think he was one of like the five in Washington for a long time. Yeah, he was. And, and then he, he got three years, what, $81 million? All guaranteed, baby. Oh, oh man, that that deal so scammed bad. him, scammed him good. He finessed them. Shout out, oh yeah, shout out to Kirk Cousins for finessing the Vikings. Yeah. Now we should say, even when he's finessing people, he's still thirty-one touchdowns, a ten interceptions, seventy point one completion percentage, and just about forty-three hundred yards. I mean, if you're finessing me and you're putting up that, I'm fine. <laughs> it's just as usual. What do we say of Kirk Cousins? He always falls short in the big game. Yeah, and whether it's a big game or whether it's a primetime game, bad Kirk Cousins comes out. Yeah. And, like, you, take a look at that. It must win game against the Bears in Week 17. 20 of 33 for 132 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Is that bad? I guess it is. And Peter's that bad? I mean, when you're paying a guy $81 million guaranteed for over three years, I guess it is. <laughs> Hey, if I'm just, especially if I'm doing it, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is a—he's not middle of the road. He's definitely, but he's not top tier. He's like in between that. He's like a Ben Roethlisberger. He's fine. You got to put up with all the shenanigans, but he's still the best you got, and you got to accept that. Yeah, even though I can't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Vikings, of course, you got your mainstays and Kyle Rudolph, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. And he added a couple pieces on the offense. 
And one of them was Garrett Bradbury, who Matt really wanted his Ravens to get. He goes mm-hmm. to another team in purple. And they added uh, a couple other pieces. Drew S- uh, Samaya, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, from Oklahoma. Oklahoma had one of the best offensive lines in college football last year. So, yeah, you get a piece from that. You also had Josh Klein over from the Titans. He didn't perform very well for him last season, but he's been he's been solid in the past. So, you're hoping you get something out of him there. And then, but on the tackles, you got Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill. It's just not really thrilling to think about. Mm-hmm. And then you also got also got Dalvin Cook back there. Yeah, this is he's going to be the big thing that has to go right for them to really make a run. Because you know, twenty seventeen, he only had four games, but boy, did he make an impact! Seventy four attempts, three fifty four yards, two touchdowns. Last year, if only ten games started. Out of 133 attempts, only 615 yards and two touchdowns again. Yeah. Like, that's not good for a guy that you're kind of putting a lot of faith in. Sure, he's getting more involved in the receiving game. But again, you got Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Like, do you really need another receiver? No, you really don't. Yeah, at that point, at that point, you're just pushing your luck. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they really, just really need him to stay healthy and impactful. Yeah, and because uh, Thielen's getting older, he's like tr- he's like thirty right now, I think. So I mean, well, yeah, he's getting tick- up there. TikTok and Diggs twenty five, twenty six. So I mean, he's getting to that window as well, where the prime might be coming to hit to an end. You never know. Yeah, you, yeah, you never know. But I guess switching gears over to defense. He, so you had uh, one of the big stories lines with Vikings last year as well. Besides Kirk Cousins, was Everson Griffin situation. Of course, mm-hmm. the focus on his mental health. He had to sit out for a few games. He eventually did come back a little bit later on in the season. He missed five games. He had, he had mental problems, had to take some time off. He only notched five and a half sacks last year after having 13 sacks in 2017. He also turns 32 during the season. And it's not yet clear if he's over these issues or not. So, yeah, be worried about that if you're the Vikings. But you do have Danielle Hunter, who is coming. Dude had a monster season last year. 14 and a half sacks. It's crazy. And the dude is still young, too. Yeah. He's like 22, 23, too. He came in the league at, what, 20? Which really crazy and rare to think of. But you also bring back Anthony Barr, who spurned the Jets to come back to the Vikings. You bring him back You pair with uh, Eric Kendricks. You do lose Sheldon Richardson. He added along with Linville Joseph, so you're going to worry about that, about the interior, the defensive line, and also the secondary. Sure, you got some solid pieces in there, but it's not quite as certain as it used to be. Xavier Rhodes, really great corner, but he was banged up a whole lot last season. Didn't perform as well as he near as he usually does. Mike Zimmer called him out this off season. He's still he's still 29, so there's still some years left for him. And he's going to be playing across Trey Waynes, who struggles in coverage. And he's been kind of a letdown as a first-round pick so far. And he also got McKenzie Alexander, the second-round pick from 2016, who's improved last year. Then, of course, you got uh, Harrison Smith, the, one of the best safeties in the game. And so this Vikings defense is interesting to look at because there's a lot of question marks here. 
Yeah, which is a far cry from two years ago when they were pretty much the best in the business. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a very uh, interesting thing to see what a defensive head coach, Mike Zimmer, does with this. And mm-hmm. I think if you're Vikings' best case scenario is you hope Griffin is over his mental struggles. You uh, you hope you get good Xavier Rhodes this year. And I guess you just hope Bar- Anthony Barr comes back after getting a new contract. He still plays the same way. And I guess, I guess you're just hoping for that to happen along with hoping Kirk Cousins to stay consistent and actually be worthy of the huge contract he got. As far as the NFC goes, I mean, they're still a wild card contender by far, easily. Yeah. I still think they'll be safe in that regard. However, I mean, you never know what the Packers are doing right now, so, I mean, they could make a run for it as well because you're kind of playing second fiddle to the Bears right now. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll do it for the NFC North. We'll do the AFC South next week and do the AFC and NFC South the next couple weeks, so... That there's the NFC North preview. I guess I'll do it for this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Uh, Peter, take a quick moment. Where can people find you at on social media? Uh, it is the actual Peter on both Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I don't have Facebook. Facebook's stupid. <laughs> Even though I tag you in the Facebook post whenever I post the, po- the podcast. Like. I have not I have not looked at that profile in like months. So, I mean, <laughs> I might as well not have one. Uh, we should also mention uh, last week we were – we had the uh, 100 episode, and we were looking at the DCEU as well, our little special there. Like the actual DCEU, we had a lot of reshoots to do. <laughs> but we will have the part one of that. Uh, we're going to record that, more likely than not, this Saturday morning. So might have that sometime Saturday or Sunday at the latest. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that, everybody. And also, we got Comic-Con coming this week. Bunch of stuff coming out there. But uh, slight entertainment mention, we're getting Thor 4. I'm hyped. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm already hyped up enough for the Marvel panel as is, but just the fact that we're getting Thor 4 before this announcement, hyped up for that. Get your Thor 4 jokes ready, everybody. I've already heard a couple. (laughs) Oh, man, it's it's getting bad. There's some bad ones out there. But you can find me at RyanViews573. I'm not going to be making any of those Thor 4 jokes on there. Who knows? Maybe I'll be in the mood one day. But you also find our our views account on Twitter, views five seven three podcast. You can find out everything that's going on over there. You can check out podcast links, stuff for retweeting and liking over there. So yeah, that'll do it for us this week, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And you can you can go find us at Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, whichever your podcast preference, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking it out this week's show. With all that said, we'll talk to you guys next week.